0: And this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. I'm so excited to be partnering with Elevit and Menevit this week to bring you today's episode. Elevit Breastfeeding has been a Pick Me Help Plunket partner for over two years. Under the Pick Me Help Plunket program, each sale of Elevit Breastfeeding contributes directly to helping support whānau around the country. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to bring you three tips with Elevit, which we've been doing throughout this series, and the tips for today are around fertility windows, sperm health, and talking to family and friends. So we'll jump into the first one. Your most fertile time and the best time to have sex in order to increase your chances of conceiving are the few days leading up to and including ovulation. If you wait until you've ovulated to have sex, the sperm may not reach the egg in time for fertilization to take place. Sperm, on the other hand, can survive for several days inside your body waiting for the egg to be released. Tip number two is sperm health. When preparing for pregnancy, remember that it's not just women who account for a couple's fertility. It's important for men to ensure they are in good health too. In fact, research shows that male fertility starts to decline from 40 when sperm quality decreases. Menovit supports sperm health and production to help improve your chances of conception. Talk to family and friends. If you feel comfortable doing so, it's also a good idea to talk to close family and friends about wanting to start a family. This may help you and your partner better understand what's involved and the things you need to prepare for. It can provide both of you with an important support network too. Thanks, Elevate, for those tips and hopefully you will get something out of them. In today's episode, I speak with Megan about the birth of her two children Lily and Zach and Megan takes us through their initial fertility journey which took a few years and two unsuccessful rounds of ICSI before they fell pregnant with the third implantation and she takes us through her induction and quite a medical birth which yeah she wasn't uh, particularly unprepared for but just yeah she takes us through that experience and then into falling pregnant unexpectedly so a natural conception the second time around with Zach and what that pregnancy experience was like into her natural water birth which she explains she just didn't believe was possible after her first birth so it's really lovely to hear the contrasting stories and Megan does a brilliant job of talking us through her experiences she's a psychologist if you can't pick that up from the way that she speaks and yeah she's just awesome so I'm really grateful to Megan for joining me on the podcast today and I hope you enjoy the episode I won't keep you for any longer let's jump into it hi Megan thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today
1: not a problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: No worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's myself and my husband, Mark, and we have a two-year-old, Lily, and a 10-month-old, Zach, and two cats. Uh, we <laughs> live in, the north, in Auckland.
0: Yeah, awesome. And we're connected through your business. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, yeah, that's our um, passion project. So Mm it's Pootie, which is um, designer cloth nappies. And uh, we started that basically because when we had Lily, we couldn't find a product that had a lot of love put into it. Um, uh, We wanted to use cloth nappies. Long story short, I worked in daycare like 17, 18 years ago, so it was always on my mind Um, and couldn't find the right thing. So me and Mark decided that we would create some nappies, and um, we're having a lot of fun with it, and uh, yeah, we're loving it.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. I actually just bought Jai some of the swim nappies, so I'm very excited for those to arrive. Awesome. And do you want to talk us through what your journey to pregnancy was like the first time around?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, for us, it was a long journey, so uh, we are in the camp where it took a long time and it was quite a process. Um, over a couple of years so uh, we have been together a long time but since we were younger and when we decided that we wanted to start a family it just didn't happen and so after a year and um, heading towards two years we went and got the tests and started the process with the GP and um, it eventuated we had IVF with ICSI so we had uh three implantations. Two the first two failed. Uh and then we took a mini break of a couple of months and the third implantation was Lily. So um yeah we'll never forget that night we were expecting bad news again and um yeah the call to say that it had happened was uh pretty momentous for us. So <laughs> yeah a little time, a little while.
0: Yeah, amazing. And how are you sort of feeling um throughout? I know that's a pretty drawn out process. And I've had some similar sort of stories on the podcast previously, and it can take a real toll. So do you want to take us through sort of how you guys were coping with that, that process of going through IVF and ICSI and, and to sort of failed implantations?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's such a difficult process, I think, for a number of reasons, and one is that you can connect to people that have also been through um, fertility interventions, but people are in such different phases based on mm. what's happening to them, and I've certainly had friends when they start, and they're excited because it's like we've found the reasoning and we can move forward with interventions, and then you get into the intervention, and it doesn't go to plan, and... Um it's just such a long road and it's really difficult to find um the right support. And I just felt so thankful that I was a psychologist because I could jump on databases. And, you know, I had questions like, why does this feel worse than bereavement? Like a death, Yeah. And, you know, you could look at the fact that it was fear and desire put together. You know, it's this really unusual primal circumstance that you're in um and that's just the feeling side of the infertility not to mention all of the treatment processes Mm. and you know all of the hope and then the um disappointment and the sorrow when they don't work out so we stayed really open with people and that was a huge help just talking people right through the process um because people were really interested as well they didn't know anything about it so um that really helped us yeah just i don't know keep getting through it really um not having very high expectations of ourselves but just soldiering on so it was really defeating after the two failed uh implantations uh so because you don't know why they're not working and it brings up a lot about whatever happened. so um that was probably the most difficult time for sure
0: yeah yeah for sure and when you found out that you were pregnant with Lily how were you feeling did you have many early signs or symptoms that maybe gave you an idea
1: no nothing it it was so soon on it's hilarious it was about two weeks three days that I was actually pregnant you know it's about (laughs) it's you know the embryo first kind of gets going and it's kind of crossed that point. So I've had nothing and just basically full of fear and anxiety and probably, you know, the coping mechanism of talking yourself out of the fact that you might be pregnant because you yeah. don't want to be dropped. A so, um yeah, I collect, you know, crying and saying to the nurse, are you sure? You know, because mm-hmm. it just felt so foreign to have a, a you're pregnant kind of conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what was the rest of your first trimester like? Did you have any morning sickness or anything like that?
1: Just quite standard, I'd say. I mean, I had some vomiting. I had a really strong coffee aversion, and I remember yeah. driving past a coffee sign one day and just dry reaching in the car. And um I used to run some groups for work, so I'd always go and try and do all my vomiting prior to starting the group <laughs> because I didn't want a dramatic exit. And I think I felt better eighteen weeks and uh, kind of went on to have a nice second trimester.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand throughout your pregnancy?
1: I did. Um, I just went with what was standard and also I was in the NIPA study which was quite a big study and um, it just meant that you had your glucose test there in the clinic and you needed to have five scans and they were more thorough taking measurements and whatnot um, and also you took a supplement and to this day I don't know if I was control or research group we'll find mm-hmm. out so but yeah otherwise everything was as standard
0: yeah awesome and did you find out the sex in this pregnancy
1: no I we just both weren't interested I just was so excited to meet yeah full human like everything about the baby at the time of the birth and um, Mark was sort of feeling the same so yeah we didn't really even need to have a conversation about finding out.
0: Yeah awesome and did you go with a midwife for your care or an obstetrician?
1: No we had a midwife and I was so pleased that um, I got recommended her based on people just thought that we would work well together, I had started the process of trying to find one, and I found it a bit difficult, like how do I choose who to meet up with and um yeah, so I was really happy when I got recommended Sarah, and um it worked out really nicely,
0: yeah, awesome, and did you do any antenatal classes or any birth education before you went into labor?
1: Yeah, we again were recommended the parent center um on the North Shore in Birkenhead area. And um, it was great. It was um, just a really nice experience and a great group of people. And our facilitator, Kerry, just um, was really sociable and humorous and as well as being informative. And I just think she did a really nice job for group cohesion and the tone of the group. And um, she now actually does groups under nest antenatal i think really enjoyed those groups i looked at hypnobirthing um just because being a psychologist i'm so mindful of the synchronicity between mind and body and um you know what you resist and what you're open to and um just feelings and the impact of those on processes and what you might need to manage and be mindful of. And um, I talked to the midwife about it and there were classes, but they weren't very local to us. So it would have been on an evening about seven till nine for six weeks and Mark works 12 hours and I was working a pretty Heavy kind of job, so it just felt a bit much with antenatal, yeah. and um, I got given some books and some CDs and stuff, and I felt really confident with my midwife. Um, but I think people who've been through uh, fertility medicine kind of understand you're a bit over appointments. I had been getting up at six forty-five, getting seven a.m. blood tests. Going for, you know, either a checkup scan or a procedure many days of the week, plus the travel time. It was 45 minutes, then the procedure, then 45 mm. minutes back. So I was working late to compensate. And then you have your supplementary treatments. So if you're doing, um, acupuncture or other things that research suggests that can help that by the time I was at the back of all of that, um I just wanted to enjoy pregnancy so I think if something had been more accessible that would have helped.
0: Yep yeah fair enough and did you have much of a birth plan or sort of thoughts around how you might want to give birth were you planning on a home birth or the birth center or hospital do you want to take us through that?
1: Yeah I guess uh I you know, come from a family of quite a few sisters and mother, and I kind of just followed suit in terms of what they did, hospital or birth center. And in our area, you know, just going to the hospital seemed easy, and then the birthing center, which has rave reviews. So I said to my midwife at the end, is it okay not to have a plan? I'm just really open to whatever happens, and I'll just level up each step as required, so natural birth would be great. If I want gas, I'll go for that. If I want an epidural, we'll do it. And then take it from there. So she said that was completely fine and that's what we went with. Yeah.
0: Awesome. That sounds like a great mindset. And did you go into labor spontaneously? Do you want to take us through sort of that starting and then how far along you were?
1: Through pregnancy I gained quite a lot of weight. I Um, broken my tailbone um, a couple of times when I was a teenager and that had implications on my pelvis and then sitting a lot with my job it just didn't go well and I couldn't move so much I didn't even feel like myself Uh, and then Lily was quite big so I went over by 10 11 days and Mm -hmm. by that point I was done with it so I had a pretty mini tantrum and um, (laughs) I said I want to be induced and I thought 10 to 14 days was pretty standard and I would just go with that and I guess I kind of took the medical line of thought that you know this is let's just get the baby out and um there's nothing to gain by continuing to go on when I was so uncomfortable and stuff so I was induced at um on the Saturday at 7am and I think I got the gel or the first step of it and nothing happened until 1.30 and so we walked around the hospital a lot did the standard (laughs) kind of thing and um, then we were outside and they kicked off and it kind of started getting really aggressive so we went back to the room and got more aggressive until we went to the birth suite and um, it was pretty tricky for me I felt like they the contractions were crashing in on me I felt really assaulted by them Um, I started dissociating which is you know when your mind is trying to leave your body because I just felt like I was getting no reprieve from the contractions I was just overtaken by everything so I went into the shower and um, and had a lot of gas and just kind of started to get a bit aggro at mark it was not my proudest moment um I was just really overtaken by it and was trying to find a mental way out and I felt like I was on another planet I just thought what is this like this is just unbelievable um And I said to Mark, can you please crank some Kendrick Lamar or like crank some loud music? I just need something to kind of get me out of this headspace. And then I was asking for epidural, but it was too early. So um, they tried to break my waters a couple of times and I don't think I was ready because different midwives had to try or my cervix was back but um, I became quite sensitive to that because I'd had a lot of people trying um, Mm -hmm. and it did happen and then I was four centimeters and I think that's when they said I could have the epidural so I went for that and um, I remember sitting on the bed and being really uh, pleased to be getting it. I still didn't feel like I'd had a break from the contractions, though. I remember trying to get onto the bed and just not being able to get out of the space of just being overtaken. So it did happen, but um, I got this feeling down my leg and I didn't think much about it. But what happened was there was a strike, which then meant that all the pain gets localized to one area, which was my upper right leg. and they couldn't leave me like that, so they asked the obstetrician this is the midwife and the nurse if she'd do an if he would do another epidural, and thankfully he did and so then I went to sleep for five hours, so <laughs> that was um great, but I certainly remember four till six p m um just felt so difficult, and I remember looking at the clock at six and thinking okay like I've made it through because the epidural had just kicked in and um I was kind of had myself back together again and then um yeah I did go to sleep for five hours and I guess I woke up about 11 o'clock or thereabouts and they said you're progressing and you'll be pushing soon we're just going to monitor you and then I became really sick and I couldn't describe why. Um, they were saying, do you think something bad's going to happen I said more I'm just I'm just really unwell and then I broke out into a really bad fever and started um, power chucking. I won't forget Mark just he was like lightning switching the chuck buckets like he was ninjuring <laughs> it because I just filling them up and um, it had worked out that. I had an infection so um they I guess were prepping me up they said for a c-section and got the obstetrician Mm -hmm. and um he came in and he examined me and he said oh no girl you were born to give birth there is so much space there in your pelvis you are pushing this baby out right now Mm -hmm. but in my mind I um I surrendered I thought I'm so unwell I'm just going to sleep and you're going to operate like there's nothing here and um, they put in an, an, uh, an antinausea and they topped up the epidural and um, they gave an antibiotic and in five minutes I was pushing and I pushed for 20 minutes Such a strange feeling, you know, not getting the biological feedback and just all the force in your face and just all the might and power you're putting down and just no feedback. So, um, they use Von and, uh, yeah, Lily was born and they put her up on my chest and Mark cut the cord. Um, and I was just cuddling her and we never checked the gender. We were just looking at her Mm -hmm. and the midwife back and said, has anyone checked the gender? And we were like, No. Um so Mark did and yeah, we had Lily. So um that was just amazing. Yeah, amazing.
0: And was she a big baby like you'd sort of expected in the scans?
1: Yeah, not quite so big. They'd predicted ten pounds, um, and she was eight pound ten, so yep. a little bit off. Um but yeah big enough. she was um, okay. bonnie, and fed really nicely um, straight off, and actually stayed on me for three hours as soon as she was born, so oh, amazing um, yeah, it was a really nice time
0: yeah awesome, and did you need any stitches or anything like that from your birth?
1: Yeah, I had an episiotomy um and the obstetrician did stitch me up for quite some time so it would have been about yeah. 45 minutes to an hour uh yeah so I um have had stitches I remember jumping off the bed Mark couldn't believe it and I just said I'm not pregnant anymore and just came <laughs> to the shower I was so liberated I just had my body back um, because yeah. I had done so poorly physically in pregnancy that this was just such a moment, as well as having Lily. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm released from this, <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. pregnancy. Quite taxing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I can appreciate that for sure. And how long did you guys spend in the hospital before you went home?
1: Um, we actually staged three days just because of my infection. And so I had to continue to have the IV antibiotics for three or four days. Yeah. Uh, and we stayed in the maternity ward and shared a room and um, they pretty much left us to it because it was just all about me getting that IV dose. Yeah. And we just did the newborn thing, feeding and sleeping and (laughs) um, visitors. So then we went to birth care after that at uh, Walkworth and it was really incredible. Um, We only stayed one night though, because I'd already been in hospital. We did love it there, but we'd had enough time away from home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I can um, appreciate that for sure. And how did you feel once you got home and, your sort of whole life has changed from from being independent <laughs> and just sort of having each other and then all of a sudden you're a mother to a newborn. How did you find that?
1: Oh my gosh, I was so ready for it because um, <laughs> I'd, I'd had the time off work, I'd had so many years. Um, I guess I have an interesting dynamic as well because I had worked in infant mental health and worked so closely with Uh, mothers at this time and with young children that I had a huge appreciation of the highs and the lows. And, you know, when you get the baby blues or the day three or the day seven or things are up and down, I could just go with it. Um, Yeah, I I just guess having the kind of knowing about the oxytocin and the hormones and that just really helped me along the way at that time um so you know I'd get grouchy and I'd be stroppy and tired and and all of it really <laughs>
0: yeah, Fair enough. and how did you find breastfeeding what was that journey like for you guys
1: I found it really interesting something that I didn't know was the nipple conditioning like how much it would hurt I just thought why has nobody told me about this um Lily had a tongue tie her dad has had one um it didn't impact her feeding too much we did get it cut down the track but um I just remember especially in the middle of the night um just the pain and going to the fridge and getting the gel kind of pads or ice or anything and um just that resistance to feeding as well and I really can't remember how long that lasted what a week or 10 days or so but that was something I was dreading the second time
0: yeah yeah I can definitely understand that I think it's something that we don't or maybe we talk more about it now I'm not sure but um that's probably not talked about enough is that breastfeeding can really hurt for the first little while and and it's um it's yeah not always just smooth sailing for everyone
1: no and um I don't even think for myself it hurt so much at the start but then it was you know um once we got home and there'd been a lot of feeding maybe yeah. some cluster feeding we just went through this phase and I was probably getting more and more tired and yeah you just pain tolerance is down in the middle of the night and it it just feels quite awful sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how did you find your physical recovery from your birth episiotomy and sort of just giving birth in general?
1: Not too bad. Um, I didn't really expect much of myself uh, because I, you know, had not been so physically active. It was kind of a long yeah. time to get back on track. And a lot of support of my midwife, like, don't go walking too far. Um, because I hadn't been able to walk very well in pregnancy, that was a huge deal for me to kind of get out walking. Um, but she sort of told me, no, you can only go this far and whatnot. So she was very supportive and just pulling me back from yeah. getting out and about. Um, so I don't, I think my recovery, it, it felt okay and, um, I really appreciated the support. From her coming each week and just checking in on where things were at. Um, also, I did have painkillers and stuff, so that helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And were you sort of, did you always intend to try and have another baby um, in the future or sort of hope that you would be able to? Or do you want to take us through your thoughts around the second baby and then how that journey came about? So, um, we,
1: yeah, we're well, very open-minded. We have no definite ideas about how many kids we'd like, but uh, we probably both agreed we'd want to more than one. And um I just got really unwell, and I just didn't feel myself. I'd lost my zest for life. I was utterly exhausted. I was lying on the couch, not able to activate and do anything, and Lily kind of playing around me. So after a few weeks of that, I went to the doctor, and... I just said I'd like to get checked for a virus or um, glandular fever or something, and she said, oh, "I think you're run down, and I think you've got a allergy nasal drip." And I thought that's weird because I've never had that in my yeah. life. I don't really have allergies, but anyway, the next week I was with friends at a play date, and I said, oh, "I've just got this coffee aversion, and I feel so sick." And um, I. <laughs> I think when you've been through such a big Mm -hmm. infertility journey, it is shoved so far back into your mind the idea that you might be pregnant, even with all the writing Mm -hmm. on the wall. And that's just because I had lived all these appointments of you don't have a chance of getting pregnant, your chances are 0.05, you know, it's not going to happen. And so these friends sort of said, Do you think you might be pregnant? and anyway the next day I felt so terrible and then I just remembered oh I've got pregnancy tests from being in the nipper study here I'll just take one and there we go it came up positive Mm -hmm. and Mark was home, and I just went into this odd hysterical laughing I just I just could not believe it it was just unreal yet it made such sense and I would have been about eight weeks pregnant so I'd been unwell for about four or five Mm -hmm. weeks and just not put it together so uh yeah that Lily was about nine months then and um I was still breastfeeding but not so much and I thought perhaps it was to do with hormones or a crash or changes in that way so yeah it was a really really cool surprise yeah
0: awesome and how were you sort of feeling I guess emotionally having gone through such a long fertility journey for your first and then falling pregnant unexpectedly with your second. I mean, such different emotions I can imagine. But yeah, how, how were you and Mark sort of feeling at the start of that pregnancy?
1: So I didn't believe it until we had the first scan. Yeah. I just could not quite reconcile it and um mark straight off the bat you know as soon as i told him the test is positive he said of course you've got all the symptoms and he just ran with it yeah um so i was you know much slower to come around and um i just felt it was you know so unreal um like out of this world kind of experience and you know i've got friends who have one and they plan to have their next one after so much time and it's like how do i have infertility and then an accident like this is <laughs> not what i had expected you know to yeah. accidentally get pregnant just it is a really a uh, different experience yeah
0: Yeah, for sure. And was this pregnancy experience much different to your first? Did you have any really different symptoms or feel really different to your first?
1: No, I think there were really quite similar Um, I didn't have all the pelvis issues because I wasn't working in my office job so that really helped and I I felt more exhausted but like a lot of people will understand when you've got a toddler you have no downtime there's no rest time so um, you know I think those sort of factors really impacted on how I felt um, in this pregnancy and he was big as well and um, yeah, I was quite tired because I was working and had Lily and also was pregnant. So, yeah. um, it was quite thin.
0: Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. And did you find out the sexist time?
1: No, no, I had no, um, no desire to yeah. just feel like it's such a precious moment. Yeah. At that time. So. Um, I have to say, strangely, we were more tempted to find out the sex this time, I think, because of the family dynamic. You know, I was more curious, will we have two girls? What will our family as a whole look like? Yeah. Or will we have a boy and a girl? So we we're probably a little more tempted this time. And I think I may have entertained the idea of finding out, but Mark just had no interest. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah fair enough and did you do antenatal classes or anything like that again or you didn't really feel the need the second time
1: around? No we didn't do anything um just had the same group of um parents that we kind of um would keep in contact with from doing antenatal class and space and um also strangely in our antenatal nearly everybody had two under two (laughs) so there were a the people around in exactly the same position. So that was hugely, hugely helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I know you went into your first birth with yeah, not much of a sort of plan. Did you have a sort of same mindset going into your second?
1: Um, so after my first I really shelved the whole experience. I probably thought about it a little in terms of processing. But I just really moved past it. I wasn't connected to it at all. Uh, But then I was hospitalized at 24 weeks when I was pregnant with Zach uh, due to a kidney infection. And that can be really detrimental to babies. So I was on IV antibiotics for four or five days. And um, when I was there, all of the memories just came flooding back. And a lot of the pain memories and the experience and just that feeling of overwhelm and so then when it came to giving birth with Zach, I felt really anxious about it and um didn't have that naive unknowing. Um so when I felt all of this come up, I just I just thought I'm gonna embrace it. I'm not gonna try and push it away. I'm not gonna pretend it's not there. I'm not gonna avoid it. And so I just decided I would stay feeling really anxious. I told people I was really you know, fearful and, um, randomly at the same time, I was just going to go with whatever, like maybe due to my first experience, I just felt so out of control that I felt like there was no control to claim, but, um, I just felt that I would again, be open to the experience, but at the same time I was feeling, um, yeah, quite fearful about giving birth. And strangely, when you've been induced, you still don't know what it's like to go into labor so you kind of have all those questions about will I get there in time and all of that so it was a little different the second time
0: yeah and how did you sort of start your labor this time do you want to take us through if that was spontaneous and
1: how far along you were It was spontaneous and Zach was four days overdue. And, um, I had just woken up. It was Saturday night and it was 2 a.m. And I felt this pressure down in the lower half. And I sat on the toilet and I thought, Oh, I've been told about this (laughs) feeling. I think this might be it. And it just felt like you needed to kind of go to the toilet, just an intense pressure. And I thought, Oh, just kind of. Float around the kitchen and see what happens, and then I got a contraction, and um, I thought, oh, I'll see what happens, and then I'll get Mark up. And next minute, I had another contraction because I just sort of checked the clock, and I thought, oh, okay. So I got him up, and he went to call the midwife, and I said, no, can you call the babysitter because I just feel like this is going to to happen, and we might need to get going. So uh, unfortunately, my midwife wasn't on, but um, her cover just picked up and we met her at the hospital um so we went to the hospital half an hour after that we got there at two forty-five, and I'd kind of woken Mark at about 210 and just went in and up into the birthing room and um I was vomiting in the car on the way there and it just felt like what I'd been told at antenatal, like, okay, so this is progressing. I must be more in active labor because I'm vomiting. And when I got up to the room, I used the ball and the bed and the basin. And I remember just leaning over those things when I was having these contractions and um, I've done no preparation In terms of birthing or meditation or listening to anything, but I just said to Mark, Could you go on your phone, go on YouTube and put on a hypnobirth? And he just chose one and it just felt so right. Um, And the contractions just felt so natural, you know, like the surge and the waves, and they would come and I would be with them, but then I'd get this break and um, then they'll come again. So I got checked out and the midwife said I was ready because I said, could I have an epidural? I was still scared and thinking, you know, and am am I going to go back to that really tricky place? And so she said, no, it's time to go. And my first option was to go in the birth pool. And I got to go there this time. She'd already filled it up. And I um, went to the room, but I couldn't get into the bath. I think I was just having huge contractions and um she had to say quite firmly you need to get in there mm. because you're not having this baby on the floor so I got in there that was that was tricky and uh, Mark sat in the chair he wasn't in the pool as well I was in there between probably 10 to 15 minutes and did about three huge pushes. And, um, then Zach was born. So, um, it was at 425 and, um, I started at two. So it was, it was pretty quick and it was a nice experience just going into the hospital and transitioning really nicely into the next room. And, you know, nothing felt rushed. Um, looking back, it just feels a bit like a dream.
0: Yeah, amazing. And did you sort of have him up on your chest in the pool
1: and what what happened from there? I remember I was feeling worried about him being in the water and I was just, like, really wanting to get the pushing, get him up. Um, and I remember it was quite awkward because I was leaning over the side of the spa and, like, trying to turn and to grab him Um and, yeah, so I was trying to work that out, and then I saw he was a boy. I remember that, but um, the kind of surprise had been spoiled a little because I had an over-eager sonographer <laughs> um, for my overdue scan, and she didn't show down below, but she got a full frontal Face shot that she was so proud of and she showed me and I was like, it looks just like Mark and it's a boy. <laughs> so I wasn't terribly surprised when, um, when I met Zach, but, um, yeah, it was it was great I mean we kind of got out of the pool and got the towels and everything so um it was really nice I guess with Lily it was a little easier being on the bed and her just coming onto my chest and staying there for three hours like with Zach we had more transitions and that but um yeah it was like night and day the two births yeah
0: yeah it sounds like it and did you need stitches or anything this time around
1: yeah I did um the midwife did them and worked on me for quite some time. So, um, yeah, no episiotomy, but obviously must have had tearing. Yeah. And um, yeah, she sorted that out.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And how were you feeling? I know you sort of explained two completely different births. Did you sort of register that immediately or did it take you a while afterwards?
1: Um, I don't remember so much with Lily but with Zach after the birth um for probably about two weeks before I'd go to sleep each night I would just run through the birth in my head like a processing um of the process it would just come up immediately so um yeah I think I was kind of in disbelief yeah. that that it just happened like that and I'm such a curious person. After I had Lily, I just could not believe I was perplexed. I thought, how do people have natural birth? I mean, I didn't necessarily want one, but the experience that I'd had, I just felt like I was on another planet. And I thought, how the heck could you get through that? So maybe I was just putting it all together in my head. But, um, yeah, I vividly remember for two weeks that I'd just continue to kind of go through the story in my head. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how did you go introducing Zach to Lily and what was that experience like making the jump from one to two children when you went home? How did you find that?
1: Yeah. oh, it was so hectic. I mean, um, Zach was like tongue-tied. He did not feed well at all so by the time I got home I was wrecked I was yeah. I was so rinsed sleep deprived and just the time that I'd had him in the mornings I've been up since two and I never really went to sleep um it just I just felt like I couldn't catch a break on those first few days and I vividly remember feeding him and feeding him and feeding him for 13 hours and I was like I can't do it anymore and I said to the midwife and they said but that's a hungry cry and I said but I just i've been feeding him so many hours i just need to sleep and um yeah then he did get his tongue tie cut at 10 days um but he was not a settled baby until six months so that was a really difficult dynamic with lily being 18 months because um as well as having a new sibling My hands were full so much of the time and she was still an infant under two. So, um, yeah, it was a very challenging time for us as a family going from one child to two. Yeah,
0: for sure. And how did you and Mark sort of go coping with that change in dynamic? And obviously it can be really stressful on you guys. And I know there'd be a lot of parents or two of you parents out there who may be about to experience the change from one to two. Is there any sort of advice or anything that helped you guys get through
1: that period? Oh my gosh, I think our expectations were so low of ourselves, um, you know, just to get it done, to um, just cope and, and that you're going to have huge compromises, you know, personally, you're going to give up, you know, some things that good for you like exercise you know there just wasn't a point in my day or his day where someone could just go for a walk or um have some headspace and that's not what you're used to and it's really difficult and so I mean I just think if your relationship has strong communication and you can get through the really difficult times then um that's probably the main thing because although I'm really conscious that Zach was a pretty difficult yeah. baby so um I'm inclined to paint a dark picture sure. just because that's our experience yeah. but I I don't yeah think it necessarily needs to be like that yeah
0: yeah no fair enough and what was your physical recovery like this time around did you find it much different to your first birth
1: I did. Actually, I found it took a lot longer. Um, I was impatient. I still am. So he's 10 and a half months and I've just been going on longer walks and doing some of the Les Mills classes, um, on, on TV, like just the body balance and it's too much. So, um, yeah, it's a long recovery and I have to take it really slowly. Um, yeah, it's it's just about patience, really. Yeah,
0: I think it's really important to acknowledge that and I'm five months in and still on a similar path as well. I think there's points mm-hmm. where I think, Oh yeah, I could go for a run today or whatever and then I go running and I absolutely wrecked mm-hmm. for like two weeks after it. It's just not worth it. So yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that it is a patience thing and, and it does take a lot of time.
1: And as you say, you don't really know until afterwards. That's what I yeah. find difficult. It's not you don't get the feedback at the yeah. time. And it's just through hearing you can do damage, you know, down the track where you don't mm-hmm. know you've done damage that I guess has been education for me. Um, so I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah,
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing your stories. I've really loved hearing about your two really different births. And I think, yeah, it's a um, great episode that a lot, of pe- a lot of people get a lot out of. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: No, thank you for your time. No worries.
0: I just want to say a huge thank you to Elevit and Minivit for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All of this extra content wouldn't have been made available without you, so I really appreciate you coming on board and supporting me. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I would love to hear your feedback, so please send me an email or flick me a message on Instagram and let me know what you thought.